the Lord. And so now we have Stephen Bransford. Stephen is our television uh, director, and I tell you, what a godsend he has been to me. I've shared this often, but I, I really do this just to show you that this is a God connection that God put together here. But when we first started on TV, I knew it was going to be critical who I got to produce it because I, I could preach the word, but I didn't have a clue about television and about how to do anything. And somebody could have come in and have totally packaged what I'm doing incorrectly. So I interviewed at least, uh, I can think of three or four different people that were recommended by these other television ministries. People came in, they had credentials, and uh, they came in and, I mean, uh, at least three of them that I can remember spent less than a minute or two minutes asking me what I wanted to do. And they just came in and said, oh, we can do this, and we've done this. And, I, and they showed me what they've done with other television programs. And I mean, within five minutes, they had it all planned out, everything. And, um, you know, they, they had credentials, but it just didn't feel right. When I interviewed Stephen, a friend of Stephen's in Carolina called him and told him I was looking for a TV director. Stephen had never heard of me. And Stephen only lived two miles from the ministry. But this friend in North Carolina or South Carolina told him about it. And so Stephen came over and interviewed. And instead of telling me what he would do, he just says, who are you? What do you believe? What are you like? And he, he grilled me. I felt like I was the one being interviewed. And then he says, give me some of your tapes and books and give me a week and I'll come back. And when he came back, he, he said it more politely than this, but the bottom line was, you're as plain as dirt. And if we put all of these graphics flying in and out and all of this, then you know what? That's not who you are. And he helped me to decide to just use one camera and look like I'm talking straight to the people. And did you know the set that he helped us design? I had already drawn a picture of the set that I wanted, and it was nearly identical. And it was just God that put us together. And Stephen has been a super blessing and has helped us reach millions and millions and millions of people. Amen? Isn't that awesome? And so, Stephen, what are you going to share about? Are you going to share about the third year, or is that what it is? And... I want you to know this, that some people, we emphasize ministry so much that sometimes we leave the impression that unless you're up here standing behind a pulpit and preaching that you aren't a minister. But I could not do what I'm doing without Stephen and without all of these people, 200 plus people that work for me. Every one of those people are in full-time ministry. And I could not be on television. I would not have touched your life if it wasn't for this man and all of the people. This man is a full-time minister, and we are trying to get this across that there's many ways of serving the Lord. You don't have to be standing behind the pulpit. I couldn't do what I'm doing if it wasn't for Stephen and all of them. So anyway, he is just a blessing. You're going to be really blessed. And so this is Stephen Branchford, and he's got his lovely wife, Megan, here. Stand up, Megan. Let everybody see Megan. <laughs> so he's a blessing. Come up here, Stephen. Well, thank you. 
Um, I have to say I have the very best job in the world. Yeah, this, this is such a blessing. And that story, uh, that was 1999. Uh, I'd had quite a career before coming here. Uh, it was a turning point for me, a turning point in my life and my career. And I would describe the turning point as, as turning from being a high-performance Christian to one who learned to become fruitful through this message that you just heard. Um, I, I was driven to high performance by the very guilt, shame, and all of those things that you mentioned, as many are. And uh, in, in my drive, uh, you know God was merciful. Uh, he used me in spite of that. Uh, to accomplish things. He accomplished things in spite of that. Uh, but he definitely wanted to take me to a higher level and to a new place. And he's used Andrew and his ministry of grace. And you know, my first year, well, my first six months, I was the only employee. We started under the radar, folks. <laughs> and uh, I was the only employee. Uh, on shoot days, I would hire a cameraman to come in. We would do, and Andrew would sit with that incredible gift in front of the camera, as he always does, for about seven hours. And we'd come away with two weeks' worth of teaching. And uh, that goes on to this day. And the set hasn't changed until this day. <laughs> that was from God. Uh, it was a divine appointment. And God knew that I needed this message of grace. God knew that I needed it. And it took a while for me to get it to soak in. Uh, but I'm getting there. And Arthur, thank you for helping me see it more clearly this morning. That is so good. Well, I want to talk about the third year program. And I'm going to give you a choice this morning. How many of you would like me to read the student handbook or... You're already there. <laughs> Me try to light a fire under you about this third year program. What would you like? Okay, the handbook. Let me see your hands. There's one in back. There's always one in every crowd. <laughs> they guessed the right one. Guess that's right. It was Wayne. All right. So for your sake, I'm going to try to light a fire under you about this program. Because there's a fire in me about this program. This is one of the most exciting things that has happened to me in my entire life. I think we're on the crest of seeing something explode around the world. I am so pumped up about this third year media. And you're going, okay, what is third year media about? Well, we have a two-year school here in Bible. They had it the day I came in. Nobody in the school knew about me. I hid off in a little room over in Robinson Street at, at Andrews Ministry. And uh, I stayed locked in that room doing television shows every day. I put the labels on the, on the tapes and sent them to the stations. I did it all. And I loved every minute of it. I knew God had called me here. I wasn't uh, sure why, you know, because in my heart, I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm, I'm, I'm a storyteller. And I learned to write. Let's put it that way. That's the best way I can say it. And there was no need for any of that. Andrew had the message. And I became the media to come in beside him 
And what I learned from listening to his tapes and reading his books was that he had succeeded on radio and television was going to go from there to another level. And that's what's happened. My job became very simple, very easy, and the less I did, the better it was. Now, it was hard for me. <laughs> but the Lord had a plan. And in time, he unfolded the other parts of, of my gifts. And I began to learn that through the student body of Karis Bible College. A student came to me one day with a CD, uh, DVD. He said, I'm going on a mission to Russia, and I need to raise my funds. And I've done this little DVD. Could you help me? I looked at his DVD, and I realized he needed some help. He had done some things right, but there were some things he could do better. I helped him. His name's Steve Kleppitz. Any of you know Steve? Great kid. It's been a while. That must have been 2000 that that happened. He went on uh, to Russia, had his mission, raised his funds, and my eyes came open. I realized, hey, maybe there's a place for some of my gifts in helping these students achieve their, their goals as ministers. They're not, they're, they're not in the big ministries that I've served. Uh, they, they haven't learned these skills. Perhaps I can begin to share it with them. And that's how it started. I did a class uh, called Ministry, Media, and Money. And I taught that ministry is always first. Media is how you communicate the ministry. And if you communicate the ministry right, you don't have to beg for money. People want to be involved. People want to be involved with a ministry that is setting people free. All right? Some, a ministry that is, is, is spreading the good news uh, is going to attract a crowd. And those people are going to want to be a part of what you're doing. And so that's kind of how we started. And then this year, Andrew expressed a desire. And uh, his desire was that he wanted to go to a third year where we could specialize in this and in several other disciplines, the ministry, school of worship. Um, there's another one I'm missing. Business. There's, a, there's also business. These are areas of ministry that we can now build on the foundation of grace that we're teaching and begin to take it into other areas. Well, in the area of, of, of media, I've been asked to come in and, and uh, expand that school, and we've done it. And I want everyone to know that after we're finished today, you can go back into the product room in the back of the building, and there's a brochure at the Karis Bible College table. And this is the Karis Bible College School of Media brochure. This will give you some of the meat, uh, some of the meat and details of the program, and there is more. There is a student handbook that I won't read this morning. Uh, we're working on, on a lot of the details of this uh, even now. But I would like to give you a picture of the third year media program that you can take home. In fact, if you've got a pen and a pencil, I want you to write down six words. Because you might forget them. If you're like me, I, I don't remember things unless I write them down. Like appointments, things like that. It's an inside joke. Um, here are my six words. The first two are YouTube. Anybody hear of it? Anybody not hear of it? Okay, we're, we're all in the same universe. YouTube 
The power of words. Okay. Jim Hurdle. Is Jim here this morning? He's a good friend of mine. I don't see Jim. Jim's the partner relations director for Andrew. Jim and I became friends because he came to me four years ago and he said, I have a book I want to write. And he, he showed me the manuscript and he said, I'd like you to help me. And I said, I will help you, um, but you'll do the work. And he said, I will. And he did. And it was a lot of work. Um, my first critique of his book was basically this. Jim, you have a lot to say. You have a lot to offer. My goal with Jim was to help him learn how to take all that wonderful information and tell a story in a way that would bring his audience into the information he had to share. He did it. He succeeded. He has a book that's been published called Contending for the Heart. It's a school, or I'm sorry, it's a, it's a book about raising children, and it's excellent. And I'm so proud of him. He did a lot of work to get there. Um, but Jim, the other day about... I guess about a month ago, came to me and he said, there's something I want you to see. Come in my office. I came in his office and he sat down and he went to his search engine and he wrote in YouTube, The Power of Words, and up came a little video. Now in this video, uh, there is a blind man. And uh, he is sitting in a beautiful uh, sunny day on a busy uh, street in a, in a, a large city. And he has a little sign beside him. And his sign says, I'm blind, please help. And there's a little cup in front of him for people to toss pennies into. And as the people come by, an occasional coin will drop into his cup. Some coins actually are sort of tossed at his cup and they miss. And he has to scramble around and find his money and put it in the cup, which he does. Now, as he's going through this experience, we see a woman come along in dark glasses. We don't know who she is or what she is. She walks along and she looks at him and she comes over and she doesn't give him any money. She reaches down. She takes his cardboard sign. She pulls a magic marker out of her purse and she writes on the back of his sign. She sets it up. She gets up and she just leaves. Well, the rest of the day, this man experiences a changed life. Money begins to drop into his cup. It begins to rain into his cup. And people take the time to walk over and carefully place money in his cup. His life has changed. A while later, the lady who wrote the message came by and she stands in front of him he feels her shoes and he said what did you do she said I changed your story instead of I'm blind please help she wrote it's a beautiful day and I can't see it these words changed the blind man's story from one that inspired guilt to one that inspired sympathy the story changed from a self-focused description of the truth to one that saluted a beautiful day. 
The story changed from what the blind man wanted to say to what the world needed to hear. Technically, this writer changed the dull fact, I'm blind, into a concrete description everyone could feel. It's a beautiful day, and I can't see it. Same story, different words. This is the power of words. This is the third year media school. You have a story. Every one of you have a story. Are you like the blind men? Do you need someone to help you tell it? Well, that's Andrew's desire. From the third year media school to graduate students with gifts and talents and skills and knowledge to be able to come alongside you and your cup and make a difference. That's third year media. All right, you said, oh, I, I don't have a story. I, I, I said you do. You said, no, I don't have a story. Some of you are going, what story do you want to tell? <laughs> Some of you are going, oh, let's not go there. Um, I'm going to say just four things about your story this morning that I think you need to know. You have a story. It's a never-ending story. You are a work in progress. Your story today is not your story yesterday, and it's not your story tomorrow. And because of that, your story will always need updating. This is huge in my life. Megan, why don't you stand again, my beautiful wife? <laughs> Megan updates my story every day. <laughs> this is why a lot of you don't have stories. You don't want to go through the updating process. But... The truth is, the best part of our day is we each have a private devotion, but we get together in the morning and we talk about what the Lord is doing in our life, what he has done, where we came from. We examine our past. We examine where we are today and where we're going tomorrow, and it is the best part of our day. And that part of our story comes alive for us. It's very meaningful. You have the same story ongoing in your life. Second thing I want to say about your story is this. It's about you. You know, the best-selling book I understand of the recent decade um, is a Christian book that begins with the words, It's not about you. You know what that line is? It's a guilt-inducing line. It's not about you. Become concerned about others. And this becomes a guilt load that you carry and you try to fulfill and you want to be humble so you just don't talk about yourself. You just don't look at yourself. You don't go there because you're not supposed to if you're a good Christian. I live that purpose-driven life. Do you know in my career serving God, I've been in hospitals driven there by stress, asking for tranquilizers. 
I spent two years uh, visiting a psychiatrist in my 20s trying to figure out why I'm this emotional. Um, these things come from the things Arthur was describing. Um, I carried that load and it nearly killed me uh, several times. And turning the corner to this message of grace has made all the difference. But I had to look inside where my thoughts and my emotions collided when I met with that psychiatrist and I didn't like what I found and I didn't want to go there, but I found out I had to go there if I was going to go forward. Now, I've just ruined my reputation. I can, know, I can never be a minister, right? That's why I'm in the media ministry. <laughs> Behind the scenes. All right? Yes, but it is about you, and I found out it was about me, and my story had to go there. I didn't want to go there. And it's an all-alone sort of thing, ultimately. You have to go there by yourself. And it's uncomfortable, but I have good news for you. You don't need a psychiatrist. Yes, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is so full. This is so powerful. Andrew's teaching, Effortless Change, has become probably the most valuable teaching of my life. I've lived it now. And when I say it's about you, I don't mean you have to do the work. What I mean is you have to let the Word do the work in you. Get alone with God. Get your Bible out. Shut the doors. Shut off the radio. Shut off the television. You must spend time all alone with the Word. And you must allow, not the words on the page but the Word itself to come alive and enter you like a piercing sword, dividing asunder those parts of you you don't know, those parts of you no psychiatrist can learn, those parts of you God alone knows how to decipher and how to separate. And He may show you some of that. He doesn't have to show you all of it. What you get is the power of the Word working in you. You have a story. And it is about you. You don't want to go there. A lot of you are afraid. But I tell you, don't be afraid. God is a gentle spirit. He is the loving God. You're afraid because of everything you've been taught by religion. I know. In spades, I know. All right. My third point about your story is this. It's not about you. But you know what? I don't mean it the way that that's used. I don't mean it that you should therefore become selfless. I do not mean that. Here's what I mean. It is the story of Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the story of the renewing of your mind and the changes the Word produces in you. It's the story of God conforming you to the image of Christ. You are His story. 
written in flesh. Don't be afraid of that one. That's everything. That's why I could be in such bondage in my youth and be so blessed today. I am blessed. And I'm living a dream. Number four. Here's the fourth thing about your story. If your story is never written or told, your story is still important. It's one of a kind. It's as unique as your fingerprint. Your story is no one else's story. It is your testimony, and you should know it. I think you should know it because of 1 Peter 3.15. This came in our devotions this week in our updating story time between Megan and I. 1 Peter 3.15. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Now, what this says to me is this. Set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. A lot of you spend a lot of time making him Lord of the universe, making him Lord of all creation, Lord of the nations, Lord of the, every cause and every purpose in life. But he wants, to be, he wants you to set him aside as Lord in your heart. Again, do you notice what's happening here? Going inside. Let the word do this. Go inside. Yes, it's uncomfortable, especially for guys, you know. Um, us, we're trained never to show our emotions and never really to deal with them. So to do that, we have to build all these walls and bars and things to keep ourselves away from it. But actually, if you're going to sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, you're going to have to get inside your heart and let him get inside your heart and show you what he wants you to see today. I have noticed over the years that God doesn't show you something you're not ready to deal with. And he's not ready to deal with in you. Preachers do that. Yeah, that kind of person does that. I see where you need to get right with God, and they'll be quick to tell you. God isn't quick to tell you. I've seen him take a lifetime to show someone the next step. And they couldn't get there because they were stubborn, because they were blind, because they were faithless, because they were steeped in religion, because they were guilt-ridden, because of all those things. But he was patient. He was kind. And, you know, I, I, I would like to say very briefly that Megan and I have quite a story. It begins in romance, the great, great romance, 25 years ago. Um, then it was followed by nine years we call hell. <laughs> if you had known us then, um, you would have written us off. Uh, it was pretty rough. But then there was a key that turned our marriage around. And that key was each of... Some of you are going, oh, you should have known this. That key was very simple. We didn't change. We didn't get therapy. Although we did wear out a few therapists. <laughs> I actually had one Christian therapist 
who advised divorce. <laughs> I just kept looking for a better way. I felt, you know, God was there and, and I, I couldn't seem to get the right combination. But we got the right combination in 1995, four years before Andrew came into our life. The right combination was this. If we turn each other loose completely, and we did, we separated for a year. And in that separation, we did a few things before God, one-on-one, -on -one, her in her world and I in my world, in which by the end of that year, we had completely released each other, completely released each other, and were totally not thinking about our marriage anymore. And we were in a place where we could just think about our relationship with him. And we discovered dharmony.com. Not e-harmony. D-harmony. Everything that's an irreconcilable difference between me and that beautiful woman is still in existence today. But in harmony. God does that. You can't. And it's a mystery. And it's really real. And we have grown in a healthy relationship ever since that time. It was a wonderful turnaround, a turning point in our life. Everybody, every storyteller knows that a good story is a series of turning points. And that's one. Well, so our story has inspired a few people. People who know us. And just last week, Megan gets a text message from someone who says, I want to know the Jesus you know. They were an addict. This person is an addict. Um, a good Catholic drug addict. Very religious, working hard at it, 12 steps every day, unable to break free. Now sees in us something that can make a difference. It's this freedom that we have in Christ. Praise God. That's our story. You have a story. All right. Now... If you feel led to tell your story, not every story should be told, and you shouldn't tell the whole story. We'd be here for a decade. Um, and you should choose the stories to tell, and you should choose what to leave in and what to leave out. In third-year media, we'll be teaching these skills. In television, in my department, we do this. And I'm going to show you a story now that uh, we have prepared in the television department about a CBC student. I'm very interested in the stories I find in the student body. And when the Lord enables me, we, uh, we take the time and we, we focus our resources to tell a story. Now I want to share a very special story with you. Not just yet. Uh, I don't see it on the screen. Good. Just before we roll it, uh, let me just say the... I saw this long-haired guy in tie-dyed shirts coming to the class at CBC over here. I didn't know him. I wondered who was this character. I, I, he's not like the other students in the school. And when I discovered his story, I saw what I believed was a work of God's art, a work of divine art, a story with a before and an after, a story with turning points. And we want to share that story with you now. Go ahead and roll that. It's not Sam's own story.
Me and Rachel decided to get married. I went to my father's house to let him know. And we were sitting at the kitchen table. And he looked directly at Rachel and said, Don't marry this piece of crap. He will destroy your life. Kevin was on Grant's Central Station. We talked for a while, her train came and she got on it and left. And later on that night, I bumped into our Lexington Avenue. And ever since that day, we have been together. Every penny that we were able to hustle, steal, or con somebody out of went to the dope man. because of our drug habit that uh, left us on the streets. We never knew where we were going to sleep. We found cardboard boxes right in the middle of the street. We would just pull up near a building and we would actually sleep in that box for the night. We were hungry. And, you know, we used to go to this pizza place and we saw this dumpster. And uh, we just decided to look in there and we found some pizza. We saw, found pizza and we started eating. A lot of times me and my wife ate at soup kitchens and uh, churches and uh, we got food from food pantries also. But there was a uh, Lutheran church and on Sundays they gave a breakfast out for the homeless. And you didn't have to go to service or nothing, you just ate in the auditorium. Uh, me and my wife started doing that on Sundays but we started hanging out. And we started uh, helping the people clean up, putting the chairs away, uh, washing things, putting the tables away and stuff. And we got to meet some of the elders and the people at the church there. And that's when we started going to church. Now, we weren't saved or not. We were still living on the streets, and we, they didn't know we were getting high. There was this lady, Pat Ritzel, that uh, we met through church. And thank God that she invited us two strangers in her home. I was sitting at the kitchen table. And Pat just kept telling me, you know, Kevin, God loves you. And he will always love you no matter what. It was right there when I just felt something move in my heart. And she asked me, Kevin, are you, do you want to give your life to the Lord? And I'll tell you, that was the greatest thing I ever did in my life. I mean, I just received Jesus right there, that, that, right in her kitchen. And I was so excited. I mean, it was so joyful. It was awesome. So I went to Rachel and I said, Ray, I got saved. Give your life over. And then I said, honey, I'm not worthy. But you know what? Praise God the next day. She told me how much God loved me. She gave her life over. And it was awesome. <laughs> Our drug habit was so bad and we were just sick of the way we were living. We uh, found a Christian rehab that took husbands and wives. We went into the rehab and I turned myself in because I was wanted and I violated my probation. That's when I was locked up and my wife stayed in the program. As soon as that year passed and I cleared everything with the court system, 
I went up to my probation officer, her name was Mrs. Rodriguez, and I said to her, Mrs. Rodriguez, if I stay here in New York, I'm only going to get in trouble again, and you're going to see me again. And she said, Kevin, you're supposed to go in front of a judge to get released out of the state of New York. She said, I'm going to stand in for you. You call me when you get those tickets, and you call me when you get to Chicago. And that's what we did. We lived in Chicago for five years, and then we moved to Pennsylvania. And that's when we found Andrew Womack. God extended his love towards you, and that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And if you have accepted that love and been born again, then much more now does God love you because He sees you in the Spirit. God is a Spirit, and to worship Him, you have to worship Him in Spirit and in truth. And God is looking at you in the Spirit, and that Spirit never fluctuates and changes, even though your actions fluctuate, because you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, Ephesians 1.13. And you retain that same right standing with God now. If it wasn't for Him, I don't know where we'd be today. For God using that man to help us where we were, you know, we wouldn't be here today. We watched them every day. We started ordering materials, and that's when we uh, found out about the Bible College. Uh, we were very interested. And it was so funny because in Pennsylvania, we were looking for a home, we were looking for a house, and all the doors kept closing on us. So one night I came home, and I woke up my wife, and I said, Honey, why don't we just go to Colorado and go to Bible college. And she looked at me and she just looked me in the eyes with, uh, with such compassion and said, I've been waiting for you to say that. And what a blessing. I mean, as soon as we did that, we got a phone call and we were owed money that we never knew about. And you know, it wasn't a whole, whole lot of money, but it was a blessing. I paid off the car right away we saved enough money, we waited a year. We came to CBC in 2008. Next Junkie and CBC, just sitting under the instructions of the teachers, just has changed my life. We learned that we didn't have to earn anything, that God just loved us and, and He just gave us the gift of salvation for free. Through the teaching of the Word, I noticed God's grace in my life. And the more you just keep focused on God and, and just staying in His Word and just loving on the Lord, you know what? I have noticed there are things in my life that I didn't even try to change. And I don't even do it no more. Because it's just the love of God. And, and when, you, when you walk in love, I mean, when you love God first and then you love your neighbor as yourself, you know, everything falls into place. In school, they have a lot of different ministries that the students could participate in. There was a food ministry. That was ours. And since we took the food ministry over, we ran it through our whole second year. And now we graduated the school. Now our volunteers bring in food three times a week. But not only are we serving the students at the school, we are serving other ministries. We are serving churches. Now, I mean, we're getting thousands and thousands of loaves of bread a week and we get meat and we get dry goods and canned goods you know we made a vow to the Lord that we would never ever turn anybody down who was hungry and you know what 
We are just so able to be a blessing to anybody who wants it and as much as they want, as long as we have it. Every time we need something, God always brings it to us. And we always, always have money to give. God has just blessed us. I mean, we had no idea that it would, it, it would be this big. The most amazing thing that God has put in our lives is our finances. I mean, here we were, Stockholm junkies, not too long ago. We have never been in debt. We have never been late on any bills. You know, for many years, a long, long time, I always wanted to have a brand new Harley Davidson. Since I've been living for the Lord, I always wanted to be part of a, a motorcycle Christian group. I'm the assistant chaplain. We are called Black Sheep, which is kind of strange for a, uh, a motorcycle ministry, but uh, we're named that way because we're different. I mean, we're all about ministry. We're all about serving, and we're all about helping other people. You know, we're not out drinking and being rowdy like a lot of people, you know, they see a, a guy on a bike and he's got a patch on. The black sheep just love the Lord, and we just love serving and, and giving. Right now our food ministry is uh, blessing Crossfire Ministries, Good News Foundation here in the Springs. Okay, we're taking care of God's pantry down at Fountain. We get stuff up into the Lake George Elementary School. We get stuff up into Cripple Creek, Guffey, Victor, up into Woodland Park also. I also belong to a couple of other motorcycle groups. One of them, uh, Bikers United for America, uh, when they have their benefits, I'm one of the guys that uh, mostly gets a lot of the food for them. I help them cook when they do benefits and stuff, just to raise money to help other people. Every Saturday I go pick up a trailer full of food and I bring it home and I just open up my trailer to all my neighbors. People come, drive over and pick up food. Other ministries come, other churches come and get cases of food. Outreaches come to get stuff from us. And we also, uh, Springs of Life Outreach, every Tuesday we give them food and we feed the homeless down there. This is our passion. We want to serve like God served us when we were homeless. You know, we came from the streets and with our ministry, we don't want anybody to feel like they're worthless or they're useless because they're going through some hard times. We want them to feel loved. We want them to feel welcomed. We just want to welcome them with open hearts and, and just a godly attitude. And we want to see these people through God's eyes just like God sees us in a loving and awesome way. When, when people come into our ministry, you know what, we're not going to treat them like homeless. We're not going to treat them like people going through some hard times. We're going to treat them like kings and queens. And we just love people the way God loved us. We can't give away something that He didn't give us. We're going to greet them. We're going to pray if they need prayer. And we're going to do our best and use all our resources to help them in any way that we can. From addiction to freedom. From poverty to abundance. From life on the streets to a Karis Bible College classroom. 
from dumpster dining to feeding the hungry and sharing the bread of life. Kevin and Rachel Dowling have become world changers, living a life of destiny. You guys made my day. Have a seat and thank you. You have a story. I told you. Maybe you need some help telling it. Is Sean Mitchell here? Where's my friend Sean Mitchell? He's not in the room. Sean produced that story. He works in the television department. I have been given now several very gifted storytellers in television. We're not alone. It started with Healing Journeys. It went into the Destiny stories that we tell. And it's continuing as we speak. Other stories are being developed. Now, the power of a story uh, is what's driving the third year media school. Many, many people have stories that are just waiting to be discovered. When I came in last night, a student who took my media class in 2002, I, I barely recognized him, came up to me and, and he handed me this. And he said, I'm thinking of coming back um, and going through the third year media school. And um, his name is Michael O'Malley. Remember that name, this young man you're going to hear from. During my time in, the, in Iraq, I came across some pretty amazing men of God. We met regularly for prayer, Bible study, fellowship, encouragement, and uplifting. More and more men joined us, some of which were relatively new to our faith. Their hearts were hungry, and I saw a need for immediate discipleship. I like this guy already. I think we need to tell his story. What do you think, Andrew? Here's another one. I'll give this to one of the producers in the department, and they'll get this assignment. The student body uh, of this school is full of inspiration, and you inspire me. Uh, this story inspires me and many others as well. But the truth is, without a storyteller coming alongside that blind man, there were only a few pennies dropping into his bucket. And with some help, everything changed. Third Mirror Media School will be doing that kind of work. Now, what is it? Um, I will give you some of the details that you can read in the handbook. It might just give you a, an orientation to it. 
But we're going to be uh, bringing students from the school into the third year media, uh, and we're going to be assigning them, asking them to choose an actual ministry to help. It could be Kevin and Rachel's ministry, expanding. They need a truck. I understand they need a bigger truck to haul the food. He was up at 3 a.m. this morning making two deliveries before he came down here of food. They are busy. They need help. Maybe a few pennies have come into his, uh, his bucket before now, but after you've seen this story, we should take up an offering. How would that go? It would go. I think he'd have a truck. That's the power of words. That's the power of a story. That's the power of a storyteller and the difference that, that these skills can make in a ministry. Now, someone who came through my uh, class and went into my department, worked five years there, uh, was someone named Autumn Dill. Today, she is married to Jeff Nakala. Jeff and Autumn... Um, went to Chennai, India to work alongside uh, students there in ministry, the Forgestons. And they were able to help them in many ways. And one of the ways was to make a video that helped increase the bottom line. When they sent this video about what they were doing, our eyes opened to what was going on in Chennai, India. We thought it was just one thing. It was many things, and it was very helpful. Uh, they learned skills that they've already gone out and used. And when this third-year media school began, they were the first people who came to my mind to help us direct this school. Because what's going to happen in this school will not be academic lectures and tests. Your test is going to be to help a ministry like Kevin's change the bottom line, raise the bottom line, so that that ministry can go forward and grow in the direction that it's going telling the story in newsletters, on websites, fundraising letters, which are different than newsletters. A lot of people don't know these things. Ministry letters are different from those. There are different ways to communicate through the webs websites today. There are ways to communicate uh, through the various social networks. There are ways that you can learn, and these are the things we'll be teaching, tools and techniques. And then we'll be asking the students to actually do them. Uh, for every two hours of classroom lecture, there will be eight hours of workshop. That's the way that this school will function. And I believe that what will come out will meet the desire of Andrew's heart, that students coming out of this school will be able to go from here and help ministries, whether churches, whether individual ministries, or whether organizations, wherever they are. This is our goal, this is our passion, and I think we, uh, we have the people that, that the Lord has, has brought to us to, to communicate to these wonderful students how this can be done. Um, can we have uh, Autumn and Jeff please stand? The directors of the third year media school. We're setting this school up in Andrew's television studio because it's so big. But this reminds me of the other building when the students crowded us out of our television set and we had to take the program on the road and build this facility across the way here. It's continuing to grow. And now we have to make use of all the space we have or any space that we have to accommodate this school. 
So that's how it would be going forward. It's being set up over in the studio. And uh, in the back, again, Jeff and Autumn will be back there. They can answer more technical questions than I can. Uh, I'm a storyteller. I need help with the technology. That's why I have a department now that helps me with all of those things. Uh, so uh, as, as uh, Jeff and Autumn go back there, if you would like to learn more about the school, I encourage you to do that. And I think that is all I have to say. Thank you very much. Praise God. Isn't that powerful? How many of you want to come to the media school? <laughs> we just signed up 100 folks. I tell you, it's just awesome. I hope one of the things that you got out of this is to recognize that there is so much more to ministry than standing here. Stephen and his department and every single person, we've got 200 plus employees and every single one of them gives us leverage and allows us to do things that I couldn't do without every one of them. And there are some of you that haven't placed a value on your life because you just can't see yourself doing what I'm doing. And yet we need every one of you. It's a body. It's awesome. You know, I stumbled for years trying to explain why I gave away free tapes and saying that that doesn't mean that we don't need your money. We encourage you to give, but if you can't give, they're free, and you can write in and get them. And I would try and say this over and over, and Stephen just came up with, this tape is free to those of you that can't afford it. My partners have enabled me to do that. Ten seconds, he said what I tried for two years to say. <laughs> and did you know by that little tiny statement, every time it made you say a lot, that we're giving away free tapes, but they aren't free. It's my partners who enabled me to do that. And, and that's, man, we've got to have these kind of people to be able to communicate and do things. You know, my ministry hasn't changed in 43 years. I'm preaching the exact same thing I was 43 years ago. You know what's different is that God has brought me all of these people who have done things that are helping us. We reach 2 billion people a day with our television broadcast. One-third of the world's population can get our program. Not all of those watch it, but you know that's because of all of these people. Gary Lukey came along and he's brought the school to a brand new level. We just had a director's meeting and they spent two hours talking about all the technical things and Facebook and how they're getting on and how you do this. And I just missed two hours worth of the meetings. I didn't even know what those words meant. <laughs> I've never been on Facebook in my life. I wouldn't know how to get on Facebook. And they... They talked about do this, and they were using terms that it might as well have been Greek to me. And yet, they're using these things to help me get the gospel out. And I don't even know what they're talking about. Man, I hope you understood how important it is. And the same thing is happening in the business school. Without people, without David Hardesty, who has taken our ministry when he took it over, we had 30 employees. Now we have around 220 Without people like that, I'd be dead in the water. We could not fulfill all of these things. That man is as full-time a minister as I am. Larry Bozeman used to manage up to three hospitals and hundreds, thousands of people. He now works with us and does all kinds of things for us. He's doing all of this building project. And God has sent us just person after person after person. And every one of them is full-time minister. Every one of you have a place in the body of Christ, and you need to find it. 
and occupy that. We're going to take a break, but what I'd like to do, based on Stephen's suggestion in this powerful story of Kevin and Rachel, did you know I've known them since they've been in school? And I could sure tell they were excited about Jesus. They loved the Word. But I didn't know any of this until Stephen did this and uh, played it. And I got on the Internet and saw this a month or two ago about Kevin and Rachel. I didn't know their story. Man, that's a gift to be able to bring these things out. So what I'd like to do is ask Kevin and Rachel to just come stand right here. And if our guys would bring up our buckets, we are going to receive an offering for them as we take a break. As you leave, you can come up here and put money in the buckets and just hug Kevin and Rachel and say, we love you and we're for you. If you want to make out a check, make it out to Andrew Womack Ministries. Anything that comes in will go to Kevin and Rachel if you want to give cash, I'm sure they would accept cash. And if you want to give by credit cards, you could use one of our envelopes and uh, give it to Andrew Womack Ministries, and everything that comes in this offering will go to them. So uh, we're going to take a break. Let's come back, say, at um, 10 minutes after 11. That'll be 15 minutes. And as you do that, just come up here and hug them and be a blessing to them. Amen. You're dismissed.